0: This should work.
1: It should work. But will it?
0: Some should. That's the question.
1: Hey! hey!
0: Sweet. Where do we go? This is why I am the technical genius, technical master.
1: (laughs) Considering how bad audio has been in the past, I don't know if I can concur with that title.
0: Well, yeah, okay, fair. (laughs) <laughs> you're the one who's gonna have to start editing your own stuff too so uh, it's not gonna be all me pretty soon
1: let's not talk about that
0: <laughs> that's rough
1: well <laughs> listeners you've probably noticed there's another voice here that you may or may not recognize so let's see strange voice who are you
2: uh, my name is i'm sure well actually everyone probably recognizes my voice um from hit critically acclaimed podcast top 10 with micah and ben Uh, I am, in fact, list-making expert, Micah.
1: List-making expert. Expert. Yep. Hmm, that's cool. Well, to introduce (laughs) you and welcome you to our podcast, we do have some questions for you. It's going to be like a speed round.
2: Ah, I was born for this.
1: To really test you. Okay. All right. I will start off with the first question. Do you think pasta could have been invented because of a cat?
2: No. Mm, hmm. Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Leo, do you are you ready with the next question?
0: Wait, I remember this. <laughs> um. Well,
1: apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> what was your most memorable book of twenty nineteen?
2: Uh, I'd, I'd rather not say actually, because it's on my list for today.
1: Oh, okay. So we'll find out you later. You will. Okay. All right. What is the best way to describe jank audio? Jank
2: audio? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. That
2: would be audio that, uh, cuts out a lot. Or sometimes when people, um, say their S's, uh, it sounds like there is a snake sticking its tongue in your ear. <laughs>
1: That is an oddly (laughs) good description. Thank you. Okay. And then what is your favorite episode of our podcast so far? Yes. This one? This is my favorite. (laughs) Have you listened to the other episodes to know that this is my favorite? (laughs)
2: Perhaps. No, I'm confident that this is my favorite.
1: Okay. All right. And then here is the last question. When will we, we, as in anyone who listens to your podcast, be getting the last episodes of Top 10 with Micah and Wow, that's,
2: now we're really digging into the meat here. Um uh, time will tell. Probably in 2020.
1: Probably. Almost
2: definitely in 2020. (laughs) Hmm. That's, that's reassuring. I mean, we got 52 weeks. Well, no, because we're two weeks in we got 50 weeks to come out with five episodes we can probably make it happen i'm confident
1: i mean you you just made the announcement that there were only five episodes left and then left everyone hanging
2: suspense is good yeah that was a (laughs) strategic that was a strategic marketing decision there you
0: go all
1: right (laughs) okay well then from there let's move into our book question of the day
0: book question now
1: yes what magical artifact from a book would you most like to have? Like just for your everyday life, oh. what magical artifact?
2: Is this for all of us? No. Is
1: spoilers. this for, oh, okay? Yes.
0: Um, let me. Jeez. Oh, <sighs> this is a challenge.
1: Apparently,
0: from any book. Like, does it have to be just? Does uh, it, it? Can it be a graphic novel? Like,
1: yeah, any book. book, any book, as long as it is an actual book. Mm-hmm. I personally would pick um, Annabeth Chase's Yankee cap from the Percy Jackson series.
2: I'm not familiar with that. You're gonna Neither have to, enla- you're, you will have to enlighten me.
1: Oh, okay. So, basically, she has this baseball cap that whenever she puts it on her head, um, she turns invisible and then she can go do things
0: nice
2: okay okay
1: it would be useful for um hiding from my chores
2: (laughs) Yep, that would be useful uh i'm gonna pick something from a book i haven't read and so i will not be able to describe this in great detail but i remember (laughs) it's it's somewhere on my list of books to read and i i honestly can't even remember the name of the book or the author so this isn't the best thing (laughs) um but I remember reading about it on the blurb on the back of a book, but it is this magical jacket basically. Um, and every time you turn it inside out, it is a different jacket.
0: Oh, that sounds so nice. Yeah,
1: That's endless
2: cool. endless jackets.
1: Do you get to like choose think, what type yes, of jacket? I think yes, I believe so. Like? Yeah,
2: it's not just completely random. That could get annoying. Well, that could be fun <laughs> too though. I would be fine either way. But I
1: Oh, I be believe so you nice. can choose that would be so nice like you would only have to have one coat you would never have to get another. you'd be
2: like a master of disguise
1: true if you're ever on the run and don't want someone to to recognize you just new coat you look like a totally different person now
0: all right i think for me it is a bit of a split decision one might not necessarily be considered a magic item but i still don't understand how it works so it's kind of magic I would either choose a, the Pokemon PC from Pokemon Fire, Red, Leaf, Green, Manga Comics, so that at any point in time, uh, as long as like I guess I had an outlet, I could access my bank full of Pokemon, and then rule the world, because Pokemon are awesome. <laughs> or, I would have to choose the pen from the Percy Jackson series that clicks oh, and yeah, turns yeah. into the sword, because that's just awesome. That's mm, yeah. pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it can also write.
0: That's true. So like you could be taking <laughs> I mean, a test and then somebody could barge in that you don't like and then you could just get up from your test, cut them into pieces, and then go back and finish taking it.
1: Yeah.
2: It's you know, very versatile.
0: Very versatile. Yes. For all situations.
1: I guess that works. All right. All right. So are we ready to jump in to our list?
2: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Alright. Well then since Micah is the list ex excer- expert, I can't say that <laughs> it's word. It's a tough one. We'll let you start. What is your number ten? Because we're going from ten Naturally. to
2: one. Uh okay, so the top ten books one should read in one's lifetime, correct? Okay.
1: Yeah. I like, I believe the way we said it in the episode, like we came up with the idea was top ten books you should read before Perfect. you die. Mm-hmm. And okay.
2: Die. Uh, my number 10, I changed just mere seconds before we started this call. Um, so you'll figure out what I demoted later on. But my number 10 is uh, a book called The Last Unicorn by Peter S. Beagle. Uh, the Last Unicorn, I, and so the reason why, this, this is technically a fantasy novel that I think everybody should read because it is the most accessible fantasy fantasy novel of them all. Um, it's not, it, it subverts basically everything that fantasy novels want to do, um, which is there's not this big, super detailed world. There's no maps at the front of the book. There's no confusing in-depth magic system. Uh, this is a story about a unicorn that is wondering where all of the other unicorns went and is trying to find them.
1: And it's, it's, a,
2: it's a messy novel. Um, and I think that's intentional, and it kind of reflects the fact that the world is messy, too, and it's not always going to be as nice and neat as fantasy novels want us to believe. Uh, and I think that's that's a nice little comparison.
0: So when you say messy, do you mean kind of like a little messily written, or do you mean like there there's, there's real stuff that goes down in the fantasy unicorn novel? Like
2: stuff happens. Uh, it, it's not... Not messy in terms of its writing, but in terms of the kind of fantasy novel that it strives to be. So this it clearly takes place in a fantasy world with all mm-hmm. fictional locations, but you do have like uh, some sort of bug. I want to say it's a butterfly at the very beginning of the book, um, references the subway and quotes the Bible at one point in this fantasy world. And then they never explain why and make no apologies for that. <laughs> uh, it's going to be little things like that scattered throughout the book and the author just doesn't care. And it's awesome.
1: Hmm.
0: Sounds pretty cool. It
1: does sound pretty cool. So that's your number yep. 10. Leo, what is your number 10?
0: All right. I think I'm going to pull from my Bookful tidbits episode and uh, say the seven laws of teaching. Now, Micah, I don't know if you read this one or not.
2: I have I think... read it.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I did steal it from my father's um, workspace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at a point in time, and I never gave it back to him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy. I enjoyed reading. I think I'm only like halfway through it. But what I've enjoyed so far has. Wait. <laughs> okay, I've read most of it. All right. <laughs> this <I'm> in <getting> is... <laughs> there. <laughs>
2: Uh, so this ends up being very true to you. Like you need to finish this before you die.
0: That that's, is true. That's why it's on your list. Exactly. I'm experiencing it with everybody else. <laughs> we're, we're on a journey together. Um, the thing I like about it though, is it really does help me as a student. I think I mentioned this in my bookful tidbits episode. It puts me in the shoes of a teacher and what they're trying to accomplish. And it helps me go, okay, if they're trying to accomplish X, what can I do to help make that better as the person who's really the one benefiting from all this? Because at the end of the day, like I said this in my book for tidbits for sure, teachers are kind of here to help us with our lives. They're here to give us tools of learning and of knowledge so that we can go out into the world and not make as many stupid decisions. Or at least have an educated guess when we're confused about something. Um, And I always really do want to try to learn as much as I can about the different people I interact with day to day because I think they're important. And uh, I want to show honor and respect to those who have taken time out of their lives to come back to school, obviously, you know, we get out in the world and we think, well, I never, at least I never have to go back to school. These people came back to work at it uh, and teach us something that they're passionate in. So I respect that and I want to learn more about it. And I think everybody should, too. So that is my number 10.
1: That was a very long were, explanation for number 10. Those were wise
2: words, though. Wise words. I love it. Excellent. Yeah.
1: Well, my number 10 is not nearly that. Sophisticated or deep thinking or wise. My number 10 is actually a whole series, but I'm counting it as one. It is the Harry Potter series. Hmm. Because it's become kind of like a staple in modern culture and it's like still lasting. Like it still has a lot of traction and fans. I think it's going to last for a very long time. And I think it's insp- it was inspired by a lot of good classics and I think it's going to inspire some more classics. Hmm.
2: I would agree with that. It's like it's the Lord of the Rings of this generation.
0: I agree.
1: It has less of a like deep world building. Oh, yeah, graphic.
2: I'm not I wouldn't necessarily compare it to Lord of the Rings in any other way um other than influence.
1: Yeah, I can I think well, what's one's... your
2: favorite Harry Potter book? Let's broach think... that topic. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> so if I'll you had actually... to pick one to represent the whole series here, what would it be?
1: I don't know. Maybe I'll answer that at the end of the year once I've reread the whole series. Because I've actually only ever read the entire series once. And I read the whole series in the span of a week. So separating out each of the books... Oh, yeah, they
2: all bl- they all blend together in your mind at this point. Yeah.
1: Like I have, a, I have, a, I have a general idea of what happened in each one, but I have to reread them to really separate them out again to decide which one. But I think, based on just my general knowledge of the series from when I read it all in a week, I would say either the Goblet of Fire or the Order of the Phoenix.
2: Okay, one of those is right. definitely the correct choice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay then interesting well which one would you Uh, say uh, you'll find out
2: you will find out soon enough
1: oh it it is indeed yeah interesting all
0: right all right something to look forward to there yep a little little nugget
1: all right and let's move on to number nine uh,
2: same order do you i don't know how you guys want to do this okay same
1: same order we don't switch right. or anything we're not thinking- All right,
2: my number 9 is uh, The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Uh this came out last year? No, it came out a couple years ago. 2017? I don't know. We just like changed years and now I'm all that ruins my whole timeline somehow. Um mm. <laughs> this is uh it's its genre is alternate history. So it 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 takes place during um the days of like the underground railroad as we are familiar with it Uh, but it's an alternate history in the sense that uh, in this book the underground railroad is quite literal there is a secret underground railroad that is trying to save uh, slaves from the south and transport them to the north to help them run away and gain their freedom and this novel tells the story of uh, two slaves cora and caesar uh, who are trying to escape um, their Georgia plantation? Um, oh, okay. And I should have had—I ah, don't have it in front of me. My—I'm very proud of this. I wrote a Goodreads review for this because I was so <laughs> pleased with it. Um, and I feel wow. like my Goodreads review is excellent. So you should find it on there. It's going to be more eloquent than me. Um,
1: we can link. A, we can leave a link to your Goodreads in the show notes and people. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: My my wife and I actually disagree on this book. She does not like it nearly as much as I do. Um, hmm. And I think that she hates it because... Well, she doesn't hate it. That's probably strong. That's too strong of a word. But she didn't like it as much because she felt that the characters were not fleshed out enough. She didn't have enough reason to care about them. Um, and I think that's accurate. But I also don't think that that is the purpose of the book. I think the purpose of the book is to use this alternate history, this fun idea of slaves running away on this quite literal underground railroad and the different stops they make. Uh, And the whole thing is basically um, a journey through what uh, the various aspects of the life of a slave in that time period. It's it's a bit hard to explain without reading my excellent Goodreads review. So definitely (laughs) find that. I'm sure it won't be that hard to find.
1: All right, then. Seems
0: like a cool idea. And it's,
2: yeah. yeah. It's very well executed.
0: Okay.
1: Very well executed. Those are always good. All right, Leo, what's your number nine? Oh, man,
0: it's my turn again. Um, So my number nine, I think I'm going to go through a little bit of a not the kind it's not a trilogy it might be a trilogy but i i'm gonna start with numbering the uh, um epic classics uh first with the iliad i think these books especially in western civilization uh bring to light a lot of how our literature evolved and i appreciate reading them the reason I'm labeling the Iliad as number nine is because it sucks and it's the <laughs> worst of all of them. Uh, because Achilles is a child and it should not be regarded as an actual man, and uh, the whole thing is a whole lot about I want what I want and I'm not going to do anything till I get it. Uh, and I think it accurately, de- accurately, blah, depicts. Uh, Problems that we can face in our own lives and, you know, gives us a glimpse into what they would have read in the ancient world to help better understand our past to move forward into the future. So I appreciated reading it because it was, you know, pretty entertaining and you get the whole Greek gods fighting with each other while the demigods of men fight with each other on the ground. Uh, and they intermingle, and it's a whole big mess. And it's uh, and a lot of the wording, and a lot of the way it's written is also really pretty too. Uh, so I appreciated that a lot. And it stood the test of time. Homer's Iliad is like old; it's not terribly old, and we're not entirely sure if Homer. Actually, uh, we only have a couple of copies. I think it's only like, and they date back as far as ancient, I think, I don't think they date any farther back than that. Uh, actually, they date as far back to Alexander the Great, I think. I, those numbers might not be correct. But it's not bad. I enjoyed reading it. And I think the classics are something people should you know, take time to dive into because they tell us a lot about stuff.
1: I don't think I agree with your conclusion of how bad the Iliad is. That's, I thought it was actually well. Per, I thought it was pretty. It good. does
2: sound like it's not the Iliad that you have a problem with. It's just that you don't like Achilles.
0: <laughs> yeah, because the whole, the entire war, the entire Trojan War, could have been completely avoided if people kind of just sat and talked it out. And who is it? King? Uh, it's Agamemnon. Yeah, I think that's right. King Agamemnon didn't jump to rash conclusions and Achilles would have been more mature. If things had just, if people had just acted as though they were not six years old, the entire war could have been avoided and then there wouldn't have been a point for the book. Uh, so I don't enjoy books that cause conflict over pointless things. Uh, especially you know, the loving affair relationship of a king uh, versus, you know, the whole thing with the Greek gods as well. Uh, I guess it does p- depict a lot of. It was a mess, the whole story, because maybe life is a bit of a mess uh, and they threw war and the Greek gods into it and we got the Iliad. So. It's just – it definitely isn't my favorite because I feel like a lot of it could have just been avoided with simple communication and that the – I guess the supposed Greek gods in the thing are not really gods at all. They're kind of just glorified people who aren't even that honorable. So it's out of – because the Odyssey is definitely – it's up on my list too and it's uh, definitely a lot higher. And I don't mind the Aeneid because I think the Aeneid's a cool concept and Aeneas is way better than Achilles in every way. He's the better model. And then finally, Beowulf is the beast of all books. And I'll get to talk about those later, but the Iliad is definitely my least favorite.
1: So you're just casually spoiling the rest of your list? <laughs> well,
0: I didn't I didn't number them yet. I didn't number them, but maybe so yes.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> I guess I'll say what my number nine is now. It is The Invention of Hugo Cabaret. Ooh. Have either of you heard of this book?
0: Absolutely not. Nope.
1: Oh, it's so good. It's actually a children's novel, I'm pretty sure. But it is, it's one of the best books I read when I was younger. It's really interesting because most of the story is told just in pictures. It's a really, really, really thick book. Like when you pick it up, you think this is going to take me forever to read, but then you open it and it's a bunch of black and white pictures. Um, The whole point of the book is to try to tell the story mostly like an old movie. Mm -hmm. So like it has some um, pages that are just like a white background with some text and that old movie kind of font that are telling a little bit of the story but for the rest of it you kind of have to flip through and kind of figure out what's happening based on the pictures and I think it's it's just really cool because you don't get to read like movies aren't made that way anymore and books are told in a lot of words and I think it's pretty cool to see a story told in that kind of a way and it's a really interesting story like you really have to look through it and to figure out what's going on and then what does actually happen is actually pretty cool so hmm.
0: that
2: does sound like a really interesting concept some children's books are very underrated i think at we get to a certain age where people tend to just dismiss them because they're children's books but i think there's a lot of quality literature that gets lost in the fact that it is a, a children's book
0: agreed
1: I- I totally agree. Have you read C.S. Lewis's essay on reading children's books?
2: Uh, No. I honestly didn't even know he had an essay on children's books. It doesn't surprise me because he kind of has an essay on everything. But
1: (laughs) Yeah. He has multiple. Um, I don't have this book on my list, but he wrote recently a book was published with a collection of his essays on reading called The Reading Life. I just finished it and it has a lot of stuff on it. Okay. That. So if you want to read more and get even more ar- arguments to back up that case, yeah. That is where you can get a lot Sweet. of them. Sounds interesting. Hmm. All right. Moving on to number eight. <sighs>
2: yes. Uh, I won't need to spend a lot of time on this one. My number eight is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by oh, J.K. Rolling. Uh, Goblet of Fire is the best one. Um, there is no dispute there. <laughs> I love it because, yes, to everything you said about Harry Potter, um, it's phenomenal. It's a cultural milestone. Uh, but I love Goblet of Fire the most because I've never seen in any other series or in any other book such a shift in tone that is handled in such a good way. Um, She took that that series up to that point, which was just kind of a charming, fun little adventure through this magical world. And then in the Goblet of Fire, uh, it just takes this dark twist. And suddenly this really epic battle between good and evil enters into the mix Um, and it becomes very realistic and involves everyone's lives and everything just gets turned upside down. And it's it's such a wonderful twist. And I loved every second of it.
1: I have to agree. Mm-hmm. I do remember noticing that tone shift. Like it was a pretty big shift, especially at the end of the Goblet yes. of Fire.
2: Particularly That's... at the end. You can it, you can kind of feel it really feel amazing. it building throughout the whole book, but uh that moment at the end is pretty significant. And then Dumbledore's speech at the end of the school year at the Goblet of Fire basically um moves me to tears every single time. <laughs>
1: I I just remember there were a lot of tears as I was at the end of the series. No.
2: Oh man. Yeah.
1: Was <laughs> so it gets many. Intense. All at once. Yeah, but like imagine you don't have like a year separating every time you're reading a new book. It's just all at once.
2: I did I binged them all at once as well when the first time yeah. I read them. Oh yeah.
1: nice.
2: So I yeah, I'm right there with you. Hmm.
1: All right. Leo, what is your
0: number eight? number eight is probably gonna be the Aeneid for me, like I said I'm going to the classics right now. I like the Aeneid because it tells the cool story of Aeneas coming back to find a homeland and build like a name for himself. Aeneas gets his Aeneas gets pretty bad luck throughout a lot of the series um he ends up getting to the place that he wanted to get. I remember though he has to fight a bunch of wars because. Gods are pulling the string behind the scenes... Pulling strings behind the scenes... Because they don't want him to be there... Uh, But he ends up you know, fighting against them at all odds... And actually settling down... And being alright... I enjoyed the... I enjoyed the voyage part of it... Along with the war part of it... Because the Aeneid does something really interesting... And it combines... In my opinion... The Iliad and the Odyssey... And I think that was partially because the reason it was written... If I remember this correctly, uh, the Aeneid was written during the time of, uh, I want to say it was Julius Caesar beginning. No, it wasn't. It was a new Roman emperor beginning to reign and he wanted publicity to, uh, you know, seem really good. So he issued somebody write me an epic tale about me and it basically told the story of his lineage And how this Roman emperor was um, the descendants of this great warrior who voyaged across the world to find the future place of Rome and fought against all the uh, inhabitants with all, all against all odds and ended up winning and founding our beautiful country. So I think the author did a really good job of mixing those two epic stories that already existed And throwing in his own flair to create this own really epic tale that now we read right along with him. So I definitely appreciate that book just as much as the Iliad. Not as much as the Odyssey, but we're going to get to that in the later numbers.
1: All right. I don't remember which Roman Emperor it was, but I do remember learning that.
0: I remember learning it too. That was like last year though, and that was many, many That was
1: before last year. Many, many brain
0: dump tests ago. ago. It's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way of describing it. (laughs) All right. My number eight is the screw tape letters by C. S. Lewis. Ooh. I I think it gives like it gives such an insight into the human mindset, but in a really twisted way. It's it's really weird. If you haven't heard of the screw tape letters, it's the it's a higher demon writing to a lower demon and training him and giving him advice on how to really twist a human to, you know, sin enough and not be a Christian and go to hell, that sort of a thing. You know, C. S. Lewis and his Christian writing. I think even if you aren't a Christian or you don't believe in God or demons or angels or in any of all of that you could still learn a lot from this book because it really makes you think about why you decide to do certain things or how certain things appear to others and that sort of a thing.
2: Hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty in-depth look, whether or not you agree with it in terms of um, religion or theology or any of that, it is a really in-depth look at human nature.
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed reading it. I so many notes <laughs> all right um i don't have a lot to say on screw hip letters just okay really, really really good book
0: all right
2: just read it <laughs> I, yes, I mean that basically. could be what we just say for every single one of these if this is the uh, top 10 books to read before you die that's what we should have done is just everyone say the name of the book and then just say just read it Read. It. that's the only reason just, you need just read it.
1: <laughs> we said so that's, that's it. it that's why you yeah. need to read it
2: exactly
1: we are the authorities
0: the sovereign book listing authorities of this age, of this new year, and some might even say new decade, we are indeed the sovereign authorities.
1: It's not the new decade, but we cannot get into that.
0: Calendar says it. Just saying.
1: That's, yeah.
0: <laughs> is there
1: your calendar is? Is there debate
2: you. over whether or not we are in a new decade?
1: It is because yes.
0: they say revolutions of the sun, but then again, we haven't been counting the revolutions of the sun since the world began. And the calendar, which we designed and follow every year, says that it's a new decade, so therefore it is a new decade because we're not really trying to focus on where we are in space time because we couldn't even count that if we tried. And we're
1: counting based off of the timeline, like if but you, you don't, don't know the timeline like the first year in the first century, the, the generally agreed first century. There is no year zero, which means you go from one. To 101 well, to have 100 total years. Even though
0: we haven't been counting since 2019, the world isn't 2019 years old. We didn't start counting when we just got there by any stretch of the well, imagination. Yes, but like,
1: and, we've already had this argument We have,
0: multiple times. I'm just,
2: we'll I'm just enjoying here. listening to it.
1: <laughs> I'm tired of arguing it, but if you do the, your research, you will find that I am right here.
0: Okay. All right
1: mathematically i am correct.
0: mathematically but
1: socially everyone's saying this is the new decade so you pretty much have to roll with it because people like even numbers but technically the new decade starts at the end of this year
0: we'll see okay that's the we'll have a leo versus lissy on that at some point
1: no we won't no we will not
0: we'll see we'll see <laughs> new episodes to come um no.
1: <laughs> what are we talking about <laughs> Number again seven.
0: i think
2: we're talking about books Oh, yeah
1: that would make sense that
0: would make sense
1: okay number seven
2: yeah i'll I'll get us back on track here. My number seven is um Hamlet
1: <gasps> oh I should have been can't that.
2: I felt like I couldn't have a list without Shakespeare on it and okay. i Hamlet is my favorite of of Shakespeare's works um if you are unfamiliar with it, it's about Hamlet and his uncle killed his dad and stole the throne and Hamlet wants it back, and Hamlet has a lot of issues. And because mm. of that, he is a very wonderful, juicy character. Um, <laughs> he he falls in love with this girl, and so you have all of that romance drama going on. He wants the throne for himself, so you have all of that going on. Uh, and he is potentially like, actually going insane throughout all of this. And so you can see him slowly spiral. I argue that he is actually going insane. He pretends to be going mad for a while, and I would argue that he is, in fact, going mad the whole time. I would agree. Uh, And there's a wonderful, like, dichotomy between him and uh, Laertes, which is uh, his girlfriend's brother, and it's... uh, There's so much depth in such a little play about um, family drama.
0: Very well
1: said. It's
2: what it boils down to. It is just a play about family drama, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's really interesting family drama. Very
2: interesting. So much depth. I love it. And and everyone should read Shakespeare at some point. Uh, he he is regarded as a master of words for a reason. It's, it's very it's true. It's excellent to read. Uh, and it has great characters and a great story behind it. Yes. Agreed.
1: I would agree. I wish I'd included Hamlet on my list now. I kind of forgot about it when I was making it. That's
0: all right. There's too That's many good That's all right. Books there are. There. It's it's tough to choose. All right. We've come around to Ben to me again, right? Mhm. Yep. Ray, I'm keeping track. So, I think I'm going to follow up with another Shakespeare play, uh Midsummer Night's Dream. Um This one was This one was a little this one was This one was a little bit of a strange one on my list because I never regarded, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, much of Shakespeare work Shakespeare's works to be like my favorite readings. Uh, case in point, Romeo and Juliet. I hate it with a burning passion. Like hate <laughs> it completely. That's fair. That's
1: fair. Yeah, that one's not the
0: best. I agree. I very much agree. Not because it's overused or anything, because but just because the story is utterly stupid. But Midsummer Night's Dream I honestly find quite a bit of it pretty funny and it's a comedy and uh, it's I really kind of regard it as one of Shakespeare's true comedies um because I know that comedies are a little bit were a little bit different back then than they are now and uh, a midsummer night's dream is written to be funny like it all just is written to be funny and uh, it is a really it's a fun story which involves fairies and uh you know greek people and uh again family drama of people wanting to marry uh somebody who they love versus somebody who their father wants them to marry uh, and uh, love potions are involved And it is a beautiful and glorious mess and I laughed all the way through it especially when we got to act out so much of it in literature class that was fun and hilarious to watch Um, and out of all the Shakespeare plays I've either acted in or read I would honestly say that this one's one of my favorites so I definitely want to include some Shakespeare in my list as well yeah, s- solid pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, one of the better ones I've read. All right. My number 7 is not Shakespeare, Gosh. but it is a graphic novel. Yeah, we had Ooh. a streak
0: going with Oh, but all right.
1: <laughs> graphic novel. So this is actually the first graphic novel I ever read. Yes. All right. It is called Hey Kiddo.
0: Yeah, I remember you. To, I remember you talking about this one.
1: So this is, it's basically, it's a biography, and so the author, he he kind of had a really messed up childhood. His family had a lot of really kind of tragedies. His mom was an addict, and he never knew his dad, and then there was a lot of drama with his grandparents, who he grew up with, and then his aunts, and... You know, there was just always a lot of stuff that kind of happened there. And he kind of went through his entire family's history and then like his whole life story and how everyone else was involved and then was giving advice on how to deal with certain situations or in situations like how like art helped him through things and how bias played a role in things and just things like that. So I thought it was really interesting because it really makes you reevaluate how you can have a positive outlook on life despite messed up things happening and how you can really handle certain situations because, you know, not everyone has gone through certain things. So I think reading about people who have gone through things, like reading from their perspective, how they would recommend dealing with it or how they did deal with it and what worked and what didn't is pretty interesting. And um, it's nice to read because it gives you a better understanding of people around you. Hmm. Whew,
2: that was deep. Now I feel, now I feel yeah. lame for just picking Shakespeare.
1: Hamlet's pretty deep. I, I mean, Hamlet is pretty deep. I
2: don't know. It's, it's not that.
1: <laughs> but it, it was just interesting because like, it's a graphic novel, which you generally think of more lighthearted stories, but then it was really deep. And the art style really portrayed the message of the book well, which I think just helped it be a really solid, solid book.
2: Yeah. Okay, well now I'm bummed that I didn't <laughs> I love I think I am uh always very clear with my love of comic books and graphic novels, which I did not include any on the list because I didn't know if you guys would count them. And now oh, of course hundred. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit bummed. So
1: we count you should
2: have asked Oh, uh, I didn't want to be needy. <laughs> 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 it's fine. I'll I'll go without.
1: All right. Now you'll have to do a top ten comic books or graphic novels on your podcast. Well,
2: that's too a little too practical for us. That's true. <clears throat> you
1: it could be a bonus episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there we go, we could do that. Um, okay. So we're on to we're on to six. six um,
1: is there any is this a team? I was six, I was six, gonna ask a...
2: that. Um do you guys also have legions of fans that are mostly fond of the number six?
1: We don't usually do top ten lists. That's so... fair.
2: Uh I'll just assume that my fans have followed me here. Uh <laughs> and so this will be this will be one for the team, the team sixers. Uh my number six is the Night Circus um by Aaron Morgenstern.
1: Hmm. Oh, Yes, I really want to read this book. I haven't read it yet, you, but I've only heard good you things. You
2: must. And it's gonna, I'm going to really struggle to describe this and why <laughs> it's good because it's. I don't know how. Um, it is also a fantasy novel, uh, and it's all about – it takes place in Victorian London, and there's this um, magical circus that rolls around every once in a while, um, and you can only attend it at night, so from sundown to sun up. And then the circus is just filled with like all sorts of mind-blowing things, and the center of it all is is that it's magical. Um, and then basically, the whole novel is about these two powerful magicians that have had this like feud their entire lives, um, and they've created this game where they're trying to show who's the better magician by having their students compete via the night circus. So like, who can create the coolest stuff at the circus? Blah 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 blah, and so. I don't know. It's part of the story is what makes it amazing is just reading the descriptions of this magical circus, because the writing style really conveys the magic. Um, It just you can't help but imagine these things in your mind uh, and and just see the magic at work. And it's really incredible to read. But at the same time, you have all of that going on, and there's this, like, super weird dueling sorcerers game going on in the background, and no one quite knows the rules, and it's just bizarre, and I love everything about it.
0: Wow. That does
1: sound really cool. I'm not more excited to you read it. You must. I it's it's so
2: good. And book. she just wrote another book. I forget its title, but I just saw it somewhere, and I, it blew my it's mind. The
1: Starless Yes!
2: <laughs> I'm so excited for it. I just read the back of it. And it sounded weird and intriguing, like the night circus, and so I'm on board.
1: Mm -hmm. I will warn you; I have seen a lot of mixed reviews.
2: That's fair. It would be hard to follow up the night circus, so
1: yeah. A lot of people have the most. One of the most common things I've seen is I think this book only got as much hype and is getting as high of ratings as it has is because people love her old books and they're just excited to see more from her. Fair.
2: Yeah, that's a fair. But I don't know. I haven't read it. We will see.
0: I will hopefully read it soon.
1: Hopefully. Mm -hmm. All right. Leo, on to you. All
0: right. Number six, I'm finishing off my ancient um, epic trilogy with the Odyssey, the best one of the three, uh, mainly because Odysseus is my guy. I love him so much. And because in the Iliad, we had the aspect of war. And everything was about war. In the Odyssey, we switch to the point of view of home. Everything is about getting home. And it's all about the home life. He has to get back to his child and back to his wife, who he hasn't seen in forever. And it really was a... I love the story so much because of the message it, uh, message it portrayed. And because of Odysseus just doing everything in his power to get back to the ones he loved that really stuck out to me and i love the way it was written the world that they be the world that they lay on top of our world now that is it's like what we see today and it's they had you know boats and islands and greece and italy those are real places but they also have the aspect of the, Rome, the Greek gods and uh, the mythical creatures that live there. And, you know, you have Helios, the sun god, and his golden cows. Or you have the island of the lotus eaters that are basically drug addicts that never leave the island. Or you have the land of the dead. Um, and Odysseus goes to all these places and through everything, throughout the entire story, he doesn't lose sight of his goal, which is getting home. He always returns Hi. to it. Always returns to it. You, there, were, okay. there were
1: okay, yeah, okay.
0: and my favorite character is Odysseus's wife, probably because Ooh, same. because she has to. She basically withstands the bombardment of so many suitors the entire time. Doesn't give up. Doesn't lose hope. He's extremely crafty and awesome. And then in the end, we get the beautiful resolve of Odysseus, basically slaughtering all the people, brutally slaughtering all the people who've invading his home, invading his home, until finally, uh, who is it? Arda? Art? I I don't know if I can. English? Artemis? Greek? Uh, not Ares. It's not Artemis. Artemis. Is it Artemis? It's not.
1: The one with the archery. No.
0: The the owl lady. Athena. Athena, That's it. So Athena has to come down and say, dude, it's okay. You don't have to kill any more people. Please stop. And he's like, okay. And they live happily ever after after that. I read that when I was like a solid 12 years old. It was the abridged version. I did not read the Odyssey at 12 years old, but I did read the story of it. And I've always loved it so much. So that's got to be, what are we on? Number six? Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. I will say I've been saving this comment ever since you started mentioning the classics. I did like the Aeneid better than the Odyssey.
0: Well... You know what? The Odyssey is still better and I win. So...
2: (laughs) 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 I have not read any of the three.
0: Come on! I know,
2: I know. What? For shame, for shame. I always mean to get around to them. I've been meaning to get around to them for, like, the past 15 years, and I just haven't.
1: I thought you once said you've read, like, all the classics there. Yeah,
2: are. all the classics, except for these three. <laughs> and War and Peace. I still haven't got around to War and Peace yet.
1: That one's long. They're One is all long.
2: long. <laughs> we'll see. No
1: but, no, but, like, War and Peace is, like... Yeah, and know, it has, long like, long.
2: 150 characters in it or something crazy like that.
1: And most of them... A lot of them are the same people. They just have, like, ten Yes,
2: My goodness.
1: You could instead listen to the musical. That's just 23 pages of it to get a taste of the drama and all the different names.
2: You know, I've heard that. I've heard that. Maybe.
1: All right. Well, speaking of classics, my number six is a classic. Okay. It is Jane Eyre.
0: Jane Eyre. Okay. All right. Okay.
1: Now... Since you know you both listened to the podcast and you already know my love of Jane Eyre from the bookful tidbit I did a little while back, I don't think I need to talk about this one too much. Um, I said a lot of the things. It was kind of a tidbit on. You should read Jane Eyre because it's great. So if you don't know my thoughts on that, you should listen to that. But basically, to summarize what I said in that, is it's a book about you know a woman who really values her independence and her integrity. And, you know, it was written at a time when those things weren't as valued. So it's just, it, I feel like it was very moving to a lot of people at the time. And it is still is moving to people. I know I learned a lot from the book and I, it really, it touched me. So I really liked it. And it it's just, it also has some action. So it isn't totally just a woman worrying about her life, but, and it has some romance. So if you're into romance, the romances in the book are a little problematic at times, I would say. I wasn't entirely okay with all of it, but I, I, I still think it's a really good one. So it is up on this list. It is a phenomenal
0: novel. But Pride and Prejudice, though.
1: I haven't read Pride and Prejudice Oh, what?
0: Yet. Pride and Prejudice. Oh, man.
1: Okay, it is on my list. I was given my own copy for Christmas. Oh, there you so go. I am going to read. I am going to read it. It's not that I haven't read it because I don't want to. I've also been holding out because my older sister has been obsessed with it since I think she was in ninth grade, which was a long time ago, so she's been like pushing it on me since then, and I've been avoiding reading it and as a way to antagonize it <laughs> sure naturally. So, so I've been putting it off for a while, but I am going to read it. It is one of my, I think I have 20 or so books that I am guaranteed to get to this year, and it is one of them. Okay,
2: that's good. I, I honestly, it, I would really struggle trying to determine which of the two I like the most.
0: That's true. I can mm. see that. Though, Mr. Darcy literally is, and I say this a little, I, I say this a little cautiously, but I, I'm still confident to say that he is my favorite. Drama book character, and when I say drama, the entire genre of drama, if I could take all the books I've read and put them in there, Mr. Darcy comes out on top as my favorite character in all of them, and probably in all the romance novels I've read too. He is my favorite character.
1: Wow, Hmm. okay, I really have to read this book. You do,
2: really do. Uh, okay, my we're on five, okay, yes, halfway.
1: This is gonna be a long. <laughs> yes,
2: it is. I'll try and speed it up, but this, none of, I mean, they're all so good, and it's hard to talk about them quickly. Uh, my number five it's is uh, Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell. Um, hmm. Do you guys know, have you read this or know anything about it? You gotta no, describe it not to at me. All. Okay, Cloud Atlas is as you're reading the first half of it, uh, it feels like a collection of short stories almost. Well, that is very much what it feels like in the first half of the book. Uh, You read a short story where um, you're basically reading the journal of some, like, explorer in the Pacific in, like, the 1800s. And then you move on to read some letters from some composer. And then you move on to read a story about, there's, like, some mystery story in there. And then you move on to read a story set in the modern time. And then you read a short story set in the future. Sure. Um, then you read like a post-apocalyptic story and then the post-apocalyptic story is like in the middle of the book and is the longest. And then after that, you go back through all of the other stories. There's like a part two for each of them. And it slowly shows how each of them, even though they all take place in different timelines are connected. And I can't say any more without spoiling all of it, but it is awesome. It is incredible. That
1: sounds so And the, cool. the whole
2: structure of the novel is just very well done as it as how it like marches you through all these stories and then marches you back through them in the reverse order and shows how they're all connected. It was incredible.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. I set my uh reading goal on Book fo- on Goodreads this year to be 10 books. I'm going to have to change that now <laughs> because now I have like 30 of them that I have to go and read uh, because they're all, these are all really interesting books. I'm very hype about this so far.
2: Good. You should. Always, mm. always increase your Goodreads <laughs> reading <laughs> you goal. Oh, <know>,
1: yes. <laughs> Leave it the same and then just go way far beyond it so that your percentage just skyrocket. Um, no,
2: I always overestimate my abilities. That's what I do, and then I never achieve <laughs> them.
1: <laughs> I, I did that last year by I think it was seven books if I had just like read a few more like I was really close
2: since the uh, big year where I read like 95 I have oh been going down steadily every year since that and so this year I really have to get back on track and I gotta go up this year I have to go up
1: mm. I, I made my goal the same as it was last year so that I could actually meet this goal there you go we're gonna see it's
2: probably the wise way to do this
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's me again, right? It is.
1: Yes. Mm. Number five. Number
0: five. This one was tough for me because I think this is probably going to be my last classic. My last, well, actually, no, that's a lie. Um, one of my <laughs> last classics because I had absolutely had to mention the book Beowulf. Uh, I know I have literally been staying sub what? So far, I think I've stayed sub 18th century for all of my books. Wait, no, but almost. Um, I've been staying in the oldies for a while, but Beowulf to me is one of my favorites. If not the most favorite book I have I have read as part of a school curriculum. At least for, like, not any summer reading, um, for literature class, it's probably my favorite. I finished the book, I started the book early and finished it early. uh, And I read, I think, all of it, which was unusual for me as a high school student. And I'm just going to say this. Beowulf basically is a demigod. If I had to describe him, he's basically a demigod. And he was pulled from a distant land as somebody who wasn't regarded as very high and came to help out these poor people who were basically being attacked by this gigantic demon. So, what does Beowulf do? Beowulf marches into his house, fights him. Uh, actually, no, never mind. He waits for him to uh, come to the basically big tavern again uh, that he's been attacking these people at. He uh, throws away his weapons, goes to wrestle the monster who might I add is like twice, no, like three times his size and like five times as strong, pulls his arm off, makes him soak back to his house where he drowns and dies This angers his mother, who, might I add, is way larger than him. And when I say way larger, when Beowulf does his thing, he uh, comes up with her head, and it takes four men to carry her head back. Uh, This angers his mother, and she ends up coming out and taking uh, all of the elders and officials and dragging them back, I guess, basically to eat them. Beowulf marches to her house. It's basically hell underwater so he dives under the water gets into her cave or whatever pulls out the giant sword a literal sword that is used for giants and beats the snot out of his mother and takes her head off throws the head back out carries out all the officials walks back ends up ruling the country for like 20 years until a dragon shows up He's like 80 years old now. So what does he do? Marches to the dragon's cave with only one other soldier because all the rest of them ran away. They thought, oh, he's dead. But no, he was not dead. He ends up killing the dragon with the help of the single soldier. And then after being burned and poisoned, he eventually has to die. And it was probably the most, the book I was most sad at while reading at school because Beowulf ended up dying, and I really hated that. Um, To which they built a memorial for him, and he is now regarded, at least in my book, as the best ancient ancient epic tale warrior that I have ever read about. You have to read this book. It is awesome, and uh, it will actually keep you to the very end, uh, because... It it was written in Old English, and even though Old English is really strange, the wording, in my opinion, is actually really great if you read the adapted English part, the adapted English version, Um, and it kept my attention to the very end, which is very hard to do, so I highly recommend this book.
1: So, you know, just spoilers for the whole book there. Spoilers for the whole book, yes.
2: You did you did <laughs> just kind of summarize it. You could start a side podcast where c- you just summarize books in five minutes.
1: That
0: is
2: true. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: that is an idea right there. You could save that.
1: I have a couple book full tidbits.
0: Bookful tidbits, the summary series. I could name it the summary series and it rhymes. <laughs> Not rhymes. Um it doesn't rhyme. What? it's it's great.
1: Okay, we're going to move on from that. <laughs> my number five. All right. Um, my number five is The Astonishing Color of After.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So this is a book that made me cry. It was just beautifully written. The cover is also really pretty. So if, you're, if you like pretty covers, that's, it's a good one. So this is a story where you follow a teenage girl dealing with her mom's death she her mom had just died and you know this girl there's suddenly all this like beautiful bird that's in her life and is like guiding her to make these decisions and she thinks that this bird is her mom like her mom's spirit and so um she's part chinese and so she feels like the bird is guiding her to go to china and visit her mom's family and to learn more about her mom's past and she ends up like in China and she meets her grandparents for the first time in her life. And she kind of, she grows closer to her mom and to people in her life at home. And there are these like really weird things that happen with her friends at home while she's in China. And it's, it's just, it's really interesting. It gives a lot of like culture and, you know, it talks a lot about like how to deal with grief and traditions and, she ends up closer to her mom than she was um, before her mom died. And I think that's pretty cool. Hmm.
2: Nice. I feel like I've heard of this one before. I've read a good bit I of think, it, too.
1: I think you picked it up, like, once when I had Maybe it. Maybe. Okay, that.
2: Okay, that would make sense. That's probably it. This is all sounding so familiar to me, but I didn't recognize the title right away.
1: It's, it's a really good book.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right, number four.
0: Number four. Number four um,
2: is, let me check. Number four uh, is a book called Equal Rights. Um, this is one of the many, many novels written by the late Sir Terry Pratchett. Um, and I put off reading any of his stuff for a long time because he just wrote so many books. And I didn't know where to start. Um, But this summer, so this would be the best book I read this year. Uh, This summer, I was in Portland, and I got a bunch of books while I was there. And um, three of them were Terry Pratchett books, uh, three like good starting points. And so I read I devoured them. And this was the first (laughs) one that I read. And so I bet there are, I guarantee there are better Terry Pratchett books out there and this will probably fall off of my list at some point and be replaced by something different. But I have, with how few I've read so far, this is it. And so Terry Pratchett basically is a, hmm. Um, he's kind of a comedian, like all of his books are funny, but he's also always talking about. Very real, important topics in the world today, but he does it using humor, and he does it in books that are in this super weird fantasy universe um, and so mm-hmm. equal rights is about a world where all the wizards in the world are always men, and when a wizard dies, he like passes on his wizard powers to someone else uh, and in, at the beginning of this book so this isn't really a spoiler uh, this wizard is about to die, and he Fails to basically fails to find a boy in time, like a male baby, uh, and accidentally gives his powers to a girl. Um, There's never been a girl wizard before. Not a witch. Witches are different in the series. Um, And so it's all about her life as she's like trying to get into the wizard university, but they won't let her in because she's a girl. And it's kind of the adventures that she goes on. And he's very much talking about feminism throughout the whole book. Uh but he does it in this very bizarre, fun fantasy world and it's all just very funny the whole time.
0: Nice. That wow. does sound pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it could like get controversial, but like it was played oh, sure. well. Yeah.
0: I'm not gonna apologize for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pause. Hey guys, thanks for listening so far. But we're going on an hour and we're only halfway through. We have so much more to this episode that we want to share, but, as the title would suggest, we are doing a two-parter just because it's so long. So, if you've enjoyed it so far, consider sticking around for the part two. That's coming out February 5th. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. For the top 10 of Mike and Ben fans who have come over to hear your beloved podcast host, co-host, actually maybe consider sticking around. We really enjoy having you guys. We're thankful for you listening. And if you like what you hear, consider maybe looking for us weekly. We do release weekly. For our regular listeners, you gotta go check out Top 10 and Micah and Ben. It is so, so hilarious. And they are such good podcast people. They have been doing it way longer than Lissy and I have, and we definitely thank them for all the advice they've given us and for Micah coming and starring on it on our show. While I've got you here, I want to invite you to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and it's a place for Lissy and I to share what we're reading and hear what you guys are reading and just overall connect with our audience, which we really enjoy doing. There's also a link to our Instagram, Twitter, and Goodreads. So if you guys want to follow us on there to stay connected and hear when we're posting, we also definitely encourage that. So overall, just if you want to become a part of the Goodread Goodreads, excuse me, the Bookful Thoughts family. Um, we are happy to have you here and we hope that you will continue on this beautiful journey of crazy books and thoughts that are full of bookful thoughts. That made total sense. So, thanks so much for listening, and we really do hope you enjoyed our bookful thoughts.